1972, a crack commando unit was sent to a liturgical prison by a canonical court for a crime they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a maximum security diocesan stockade to the ecclesial underground. Today, still wanted by the Vatican, they survive as soldiers of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, then you should listen to Libra Cristo War College. Very cool intro to Wednesday War College. My name is Jess Romero. That was Dr. just supposed Dan to be a goof. We, I had some of my buddies put it together just for a goof. And uh, I sent it over to Richard. Hey, just play this one time for fun. And, and it's uh, stuck. It's stuck. It's stuck. It, it, is, it, it, is pretty, it is pretty clever. It is pretty clever. <laughs> yeah, because we're all kind I of in a canonical court. We're in a, for a, a canonical prison for a crime they didn't commit. <laughs> it, uh, it just kind of worked out. Yeah, yeah, uh, especially people like Fa uh, Father Frank Pavone and many others, and you know, oh, Father absolutely. Altman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're I, I mean, definitely. Uh, in so, so today's episode, you got Howling Mad Murdoch, the helicopter pilot, uh, uh, you know, um, who was who was known to be the he was absolutely insane, and uh, you know we know who B. A. Baracus is on this team. That's uh, oh yeah, his his, uh, his truly the Sergeant Major, um, Kyle Clement. <laughs> so we had to. He's not Major. here today. He never disappoints. He, he, he never, oh no! He's always he's always good for for one zing, one zinger. Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah, I got to give him some love. By the way, he he asked me if I could give him some love today. Uh, Kyle Clement, uh, Monte Cristo's providing a daily fifteen minute reflection by Kyle Clement on reclamation theology. You can sign up by sending an email to info at montecristo.net, and it's free for the month of January. Also, yeah, Kyle will be doing. I'm sorry. Sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. Yeah, let me. Kyle will be doing a live online Zoom reclamation theology retreat themed. This time is anything but ordinary. Sunday through Friday, every evening from January 22nd to the 27th. So just again, send an email to info at montecristo.net for more information to sign up for that retreat. Also, Monte Cristo is hosting Liber Crystal methodology training in March for exorcist, mental health professionals. And general practitioner, priest, and lady, we are accepting sponsorships for priest training. Contact info at montecriso.net for more information. Also, Kyle will be presenting an in-person reclamation theology retreat in Chattawa, MS. I think that's Massachusetts, Mississippi or Massachusetts. During the week of Ash Wednesday, February 19th and 24th, a daily mass reflection, multiple conference sessions will be available and Father Ripperger and Kyle will be doing the Wyoming Retreats Reclamation Theology. Father, son, only a few spots remain. Mother, daughter, only one spot remaining. Young married couples in their initial stages of marriage. You can find all that at montecristo.net. Dan, also want to remind the audience that it's the month of the holy name of Jesus right now. Uh, make Find any excuse throughout the day to call upon the name of Jesus. Just... You know, talk talk about a way to decompress and, and, and de-stress yourself. Just walk around, just say, Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, come into my heart. Jesus, help me. Jesus, come to my assistance. Uh, you know, Jesus, uh, you, know, uh, you know, be with me, protect me. Find any excuse to call upon the name of Jesus throughout the day. Terry, I mean. Yeah, uh, yeah now that football season's over, most Catholics are not going to invoke the name of Jesus. Normally, we only call in the name of Jesus is when our team fumbles, <laughs> right? It's unbelievable, That's, the blasphemy. Yeah, no, you're, you're right. That's sad. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 we're going to get later into, into the topic of, of pornography and lust. And St. Alphonsus, I'm going to talk about this in the next segment, the next one after, talks about hell having four gates. And one of those gates of the four... Now remember, St. Alphonsus Liguori, Doctor of the Church, probably the greatest moral theologian outside of Thomas Aquinas. Those two are the real, the real standard for moral theology. Four gates... Four gates wide to hell. The widest gate is, is lust and purity, but one of the gates to hell is blasphemy. So if you're out there throwing out the name of Jesus in vain, that's a huge one. That's a big one. Um, so, so start cultivating your speech uh, and, and start developing a Catholic uh, a way of speaking, not only when you're with your Catholic friends, but at all times. At all times. This is what lay people are called to do, to be Catholics in the world, to, to, to go bring Christ into the world, right? So, so anyway, so that, that's a huge one. Start cultivating that. And one of the ways that, that you know, a lot of military guys, for me, it took about three years to, to change my speech back in the day, you know, 30 years ago when I got out of the military. It took me a long time to stop cussing. And so mm. at a very minimum, you've got to you've got to clean up your language. You know, you've got to clean up your language and do penance for that. And part of that, one a good penance for that, for example, is the divine praises. Uh, being Dan, you know what? I had a cussing problem when I was a young cop and a young boxer. Absolutely. And that yeah. that's so a priest told me that like 30 some years ago at a confession. He goes, every time you say a bad word right after that, do the divine praises. Dan. Yeah. That broke, that yeah. broke this proclivity to dropping, you know what, bombs thirty years ago, yeah, yeah, no, it, and it cleaned up. Does. It did. Yeah. It cleaned up. It cleaned up my potty mouth. The divine praises yeah. every time I said a bad word. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I you know, when I do, I, I, I you know, I, we had a phrase back home. It was like, hey, you, you kiss your mother with that mouth, right? You eat mm. with that mouth. I mean, we got to watch our speech. And, and the month of the month, this month, and and, and we celebrate the, the holy name of Jesus. Amazing. Under this name, uh, um, all, all creation, all the cosmos tremble, right? Mm. And don't forget, on the wake of the holy name of Jesus is the holy name of Mary, invoking her. Uh, um, St. Alphonsus says, when you invoke the holy name of Mary, it's like a, like a lightning strike to the earth. This is what the demons see when you invoke the Blessed Mother in confidence. You're bringing down the holy name of Mary. It's like lightning bolts into you, into you, uh, uh, into the room. So learning to clean up your speech and developing a Catholic glossary is absolutely is essential for us. Yeah. What, what does Kyle always say? And you always say the same thing. Uh, demons, uh, they, uh, they gravitate or they, they, they like, uh, the, the mouth that blesses and curses. How does that go again? Yeah. The demon looks for the mouth that blesses and curses. It yeah, looks for inconsistencies yeah. wherever there's anything of any, any weakness of uh, any defects in thought, word, and deed. This is where the demon is going to look for. This is what he's look, you know, uh, this is where he's going to try to find his weak spot, his opening, right? This is the, this is the way he, he works. He's going to look for those. And, and if, you know, you and I go on the podcast and we're going to go to, we always travel together and do conferences. And let's say one night after the conference, like, Hey man, we just need some bro time. We need some bro time, man. We, we've worked hard for the Lord. I'm, and I'm craving buffalo wings. So so there's this place called Hooters up the street. So let's go down to Hooters, you and me, Jess, because we need a little guy time, right? <laughs> that, that's an inconsistency. And the demon looks for that. He looks for inconsistencies of thought, word, and deed. Are you who you say you are? If you're committing sins of the speech, right, because Jesus himself says in Matthew 12, you will be held on a day of judgment for every careless word. Right. Mm. So we have to learn to clean up our speech. Here's what I caught early on when, you know, when you first get into the ministry of exorcism and, and, and deliverance, the demons, you know, you're, you, you, you step up. You know what I mean? You step into the ring and, and uh, you come out of the crowd into the ring. 
And uh, uh, I was I was refereeing some fights once. It was cops versus firemen. You'll appreciate this. You know, like the pig bowl back in the day. It was yeah. cops versus firemen, and I was refereeing. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, one of the cops, uh, Lencho Science, may God rest his soul, good Catholic man. Uh, um, he was he was one of the judges and officials also. And he goes, "Hey, we, we're short a couple of fighters." So he goes into the crowd and he starts asking guys, "Hey man, do you want to fight? Hey man, do you want to fight?" I thought you're crazy. Bring <laughs> these guys in, you know. But this is kind of when you start stepping in and start engaging in spiritual battle, you're you're going to get punched in the face. That's just that's just part of it, you know. Don't be surprised. And so one of the first punches that I got, the very very beginning was, I started getting hammered in the middle of the night, and I but I but I started to make the connection like I would wake up with anger, and Evagrius Ponticus talks about this in in the third century. Fourth century. It's amazing. So I started getting blasted. Then I started making this connection between my unholy speech, the speech of sin of detraction, uh, uh, um, you know, gossip, slander. I would start connecting my own unholy speech. It wasn't like I was doing any grave evil sins, but this is a grave matter, right? Reviling your neighbor, St. Paul says. He lists that among sodomites and those who will not inherit the kingdom of God. So the demon was pounding me in the middle of the night, and I, and I like my sleep. I need my beauty rest if you haven't seen me. I yeah. need my sleep. So, the, so I started catching the connection between me getting some, some, you know, some, some poundings at night and my un, un, unholy speech during the day. Cleaned up the speech, cleaned up my rest. So there's, the, the demon's going to find and exploit any area he can. And, and I think it's great and wise of the church to celebrate the holy name of Jesus. So Jesus isn't just this figure, this theological figure. We're going to talk about that next. The theological figure, what is the nature of the hypostatic union? We need to know this stuff. We need DDT. Devil yeah, yeah. Here's the, so here's the question for you, Dan, because... In the name of Jesus, we need devotion. This is what's great about it. People, people ask this question. Maybe you can do it uh, within two minutes before the next segment. So the question is... <clears throat> We know that Jesus Christ, uh, when he died on the cross, but we also know the questioner asked, he's God. So the question was, did God die on the cross? Or, or more specifically, the questioner asked, uh, Jesus Christ has a human nature and a divine nature. Did his, div- his human nature die? Did his divine nature die also? That was a question from a listener. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, Christology is... is uh, a- the study of Christ. And so you see how the early church hammered out who is Jesus Christ. I always, when I give conferences, I'll say, okay, this is kind of a math formula. Is Jesus Christ 50, 50 human divine, 175, 25. The answer is 100% human, 100% divine council of Chalcedon 451 hammered it out and put it in these terms without confusion, the human and divine in Christ without confusion, change division or separation and all the all the early church heresies most of them centered around the person of christ where they give overemphasized humanity at the expense of the divinity overemphasized divinity at the expense of humanity the mystery of the incarnation is that he is god and man fully 100 100 without confusion change division or separation with that theological foundation the answer is can god how did how did God not suffer because you can't separate the humanity from the division in Christ. Yeah. One of the early heresies was called adoptionism where, 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 where uh, the God adopted the man, Jesus and the man, Jesus suffered the man, Jesus died on the cross. But that, that, that was, that was, that was disproved. Dan, hold that thought. We'll be right back. Wednesday war college. Stick around.
Wednesday War College, Jess Romero, Dan Schneider talking about all things spiritual warfare today. And uh, Dan, yeah, the question about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, again, he, he's always one and the same person. And just like you said, 100% God, 100% man, we call that the hypostatic union. And so there's even a passage that actually talks about deicide. It's in Acts chapter 3, verse 15. It says the author of life, the author of life, who's that? That's God. Uh, is said to have been killed by the Jews in Acts chapter 3, verse 15. Uh, and again, he could not have been killed were he not 100% man. So once again, uh, yeah. yeah. Ultimately, Christ if is- God doesn't die, then there's no salvation for us. If it's just, you know, it had, it had to have been that, that complete union of human and divine on the cross willfully. And the next heresy yeah. and the next, the next part of Christology that was hammered out is it was the, the, the will the human versus the divine will. These things were all hammered out in the early church, uh, starting in the late second, but in the, in the well, mid, 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 the third century, late third into the fourth century. Yeah, let me let me read X three fifteen uh, right from my RSV. It says here, uh, but you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murder to be granted to you, and killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this, we are witnesses. So yes, that's why the term was used in the early church, deicide, because Jesus Christ is 100% God and 100% man. At the same time, you can't separate the two natures. Dan, there's another article here I want to just talk about very briefly, just make some comments on. Where uh, It says here, Pope Francis warns of elegant demon lurking among Vatican staff. Pope Francis has turned uh, Christmas address to Roman Curia into annual airing of grievances and stern warnings. So, uh, yeah, I, I just want to s- summarize the article. What do you think? Well, the first paragraph, I think, kind of says it here. Pope Francis warned attending cardinals that those who live in the Vatican are often tempted to believe they are more enlightened or spiritually protected than others due to their status and rank in the church. We could easily fall into the temptation of thinking we are safe, better than others, no longer in need of conversion, the Pope told the cardinals. Uh, and the, the, the Pope quoted Luke, the Gospel of Luke, warning that when an unclean spirit is driven out of a person, it returns with seven spirits more evil than itself. He also said, Pope Francis concluded that a daily examination of one's conscience and a will to combat evil influences over the mind can stop the cycle of corruption. Uh, so, yeah, he's, he's uh, and the last thing he says here that jumps out at me. In 2015, he sent shockwaves from the worldwide church with a list of 15 illnesses tearing apart the Roman Curia, including corruption, idolization of power, and clerical careerism. So, uh, yeah, he just uh, he threw the gauntlet down to the Roman Curia by saying that there's an elegant demon that's lurking around here. Here's what I think it, he probably meant, meant by that. And I'm going to go... Uh, to Matthew chapter 11, verse 8. Our Lord Jesus Christ in the Gospel of Matthew, he, we all know that John the Baptist was a man's man and, and he dressed with, he, he wore camel hair, okay? <laughs> Not that I'm saying that all of us have to wear camel hair, but John the Baptist wore camel hair. We juxtapose that where our Lord is now talking about King Herod. And what does he wear? It says in Matthew chapter 11, verse, I'll start from verse 7. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John the Baptist. What did you go out into the wilderness to behold? A reed shaken by the wind. Why then do you go out? 
to see a man clothed in soft raiment? Then now he talks about King Herod. Behold, those who wear soft raiment are in king's houses. Uh, yeah, in the Dewey Reams it says, but what, but, what went you, but what went you out to see? A man clothed in soft garments? Behold, they are clothed in soft garments are in the houses of kings. That's a direct reference to King Herod, the way he would dress, uh, you know, in, in soft garments, obviously sitting on a throne with all the comforts in the world versus John the Baptist who wore camel hair. I, I believe, again, there's a spirit of effeminacy that has entered into the Catholic Church in some of the highest places. And I say that because uh, I'm not the only one that's, that's saying this because I'm a nobody. But uh, you have somebody like with, with a big footprint like uh, Father Gabriel Amorth that right before he passed away, he said something similar to Pope Francis. He said, uh, the devil is in the Vatican. That was Father Gabriel Amorth. That wasn't Jess Romero. You also have Cardinal Raymond Burke, who also said right after the Pachamama incident, he said diabolical forces have entered into St. Peter's Basilica through Pachamama. Uh, and, and so now, now you have, yeah, a chief exorcist, uh, Father Morth, says the devil is in the Vatican, March 11, 2020. Now we have Pope Francis telling, saying that uh, there's an elegant evil spirit within the Vatican. I, I'm just saying that there's other people that have said something similar to Pope Francis. Uh, and uh, what, what do you make of, of what he said to the Cardinals and to the Roman Curia? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, Father Amorth also um, often cites Paul, Pope Paul VI, Pope St. Saint, Saint Pope Paul VI. Here's what Pope Paul VI said. I, this is in 1972, June 29th, in the Feast of Apostles Peter and Paul. Okay, first of all, where would you, if you're the enemy... Where would you try to infiltrate? You're going to try to infiltrate everything. But the first thing you're going to work on is going to be you know, the diocese. You're going to work on uh, seminaries. You're going to go to work everywhere. In, in, in Vietnam, they had these guys called sappers. The enemy would have these sappers, and they would their job was to penetrate with stealth going underneath the barbed wire inside the protective perimeter that was known as the wire because it was – wires were strung around protecting the perimeter. They would get inside the wire. They would take the Claymore mines, turn it around backwards, exit, make a big noise, and have the have their the the Americans would hear the noise, clip the 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 the, the detonator and kill several of their own. I have a very good friend who was a very highly decorated Vietnam veteran that, that this happened his first night in Vietnam. If you're the enemy and this is what you're going to do, you're going to try to penetrate Everywhere. Just because it's Rome doesn't mean it's not going to be under attack or just because it's this parish or this diocese. Right. Right. Well, right. Reports that one bishop said, I believe that told him, I believe the devil exists. I just don't think he exists in my diocese. <laughs> it's a pretty profound uh, statement or belief that that some some priests and bishops believe that. So but here's what Pope Paul VI, who has been declared a saint by Pope Francis. I have the sensation that from that from some fissure, the smoke of Satan has entered the temple of God. There is doubt, incertitude, problematic, disquiet, dissatisfaction, confrontation. There is no longer trust of the church. There was the belief that after the council, there would be a day of sunshine for the history of the church and said it is the arrival of a day of clouds, tempest, darkness, of research, of uncertainty. We believe in something that is preternatural that has come into the world precisely to disturb, to suffocate the fruits of the ecumenical council, to impede the church from breaking into the hymn of joy at having renewed in fullness its awareness of itself. 
And then not long after that, same year, one of the greatest needs of the church today is to defend itself against evil. We call the devil. He is a terrible reality. He is mysterious and fearful, yet saying this name in our time can be simplistic or even superstitious. The presence of Satan is a very important chapter within Catholic doctrine to restudy, while today it is little studied. Today one prefers to appear strong without prejudice, opposes positivists, except to then believe in so many gratuitous, magical, or popular superstitions, or worse, to open one's soul to libertine experiences of the senses, to the deleterious experiences of drugs, as well as the ideological seductions of fashionable errors, these cracks through which the evil one can easily penetrate and alter the human mentality. And so Father Amorth concludes, Paul VI often spoke of the devil. He often links him to the church. Why? Perhaps because he simply wished to admonish the church, to ask her to be prudent, to flee the temptations of Satan. But there is more in my opinion. Paul VI somehow realizes Satan is inside the church, perhaps mm. even inside the Vatican. He is sounding the alarm. Wow. Pretty powerful. Pretty powerful. These That's are not very powerful. Yeah, this is not, you know, some some wacko, you know, pod, podcast like us. Right? No, you know, blog the Pope. This is the Pope. This is this is Pope St. Paul VI. This is this is the uh, um, uh, father of Morth, the, 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 the world's leading exorcist who, who brought exorcism into the modern period. Uh, after the Second Vatican Council, saying the smoke has entered Satan. I mean, the smoke of Satan has entered into the church. So, so I, I think I think Francis is Pope Francis is picking up on something, and I think he named it for what it was. And I think you're I think you're spot on. I think it's this this effeminacy. You know, I think it's the spirit yeah. of effeminacy, which which is yeah. going to come on the heels of of this the, the, this what we've gone through in the last twenty well, thirty years since the Dallas Accord. Which the is spirit. also the spirit of homosexuality as well. And let's just call it the same. Yeah. 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 And, and, so that enters in. That's the smoke. The fissures came on other things. Part of the fissures, according to Paul VI, is, hey, it's unfashionable to say that there is no devil. If you say there's no devil, you're, you're just a you're a knuckle dragging, uh, atavistic, pre pre council, you know, medieval uh, thug. If you believe in that, you're just superstitious. This is what the devil does. He tries to convince you either he doesn't exist or he convinces you that, you know, he's everywhere and behind everything. The reality is the name of Jesus is where we need to be going. But he works through that unbelief and denial of, 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 that, of his presence, and he works his way in in very, very subtle ways. The libertine experiences of the senses, the deleterious experience of drugs, the ideological seductions of fashionable errors. These are the fissures that the smoke entered in. He's writing this in 1972. Yeah. Imagine. It's been how many years now? A whole generation has gone and, and, and we, we're seeing the fruits of it now. Dan, we've seen we've had several giants that have said what Pope Francis has said about this, you know, this evil spirit lurking in the Vatican or Pope Francis called it an elegant spirit. We have Pope Leo the Thirteenth in 1884. This is why he wrote the Saint Michael the Archangel, the long form and the short form, because uh, he actually saw the devil coming into the church, uh, smoke of Satan, and uh, asking God for permission to put the church in, on trial. You have also in 1948 Archbishop Fulton Sheen uh, in his book Communism and the Conscience of the West. He made some strong statements. He says that the Satan will will set up a counter church which will ape the church. It will have all the characteristics of the church, but in reverse and emptied of its divine content. And it, it's just a, what he says is just like, it's just describing the church today. Uh, he calls, uh, he says that we have the mystical body of Christ and the mystical body of the Antichrist. 
then you move on. Again, you got Pope Paul VI in 1974, the statement that you just made, that you just quoted right now, uh, warning us about the smoke of Satan that would come into the church. And even before that, I, I missed one, uh, St. Maximilian Colby in 1917, uh, he was there witnessing the Freemasons march in front of St. Peter's uh, Basilica or St. Peter's Square. And, and the, the Freemasons in 1917 had banners that said the following, quote, Satan must reign in the Vatican, the Pope will be his slave. So the 20th century, Dan, oh yeah, and also one more, Pope St. John Paul II in 1976 when he was Cardinal Wojtyla and he gave a, 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 an address in Philadelphia, he also said that we're now entering a time where we'll have the church versus the anti-church, the gospel versus the anti-church, and, and uh, Christ versus the anti-Christ. He said this in 1976, so... Pope Francis is tracking in the right direction with that statement because there's at least five popes that have said something similar to him in the 20th century. We'll be right back. We're going to talk about the uh, the dangers of pornography and the way the diabolical is all over it. Stick around. We'll be right back. Wednesday war co- <laughs> Stand up, stand up, stand up for stand Jesus. Up for Jesus. <laughs> Front Even and better, center. do some push-ups for Jesus. That's right. Wednesday war college, Jess Romero, Dan Schneider. We want to talk now about uh, the uh, the dangers of pornography. There's a good article on by, on the U.S. Bishop's website. I read it yesterday. It's it's got a lot of statistics, but we want to get more kind of more into the spiritual warfare aspect. Uh, the USCCB has an article. It's called Pornogra- Pornography's Effects on Marriage and Hope for Married Couples. Uh, got a lot of good statistics. Also, on my blog today, I put F- Father Dave Nick's article. It's called, a, a lot of us hear the term clean and unclean sexual practices. You know, this is something that Liber Cristo teaches uh, in... in uh, in again, just to try to liberate a person from diabolical affliction, we got to return to clean practices. So a lot of people emailed probably Dan and myself and Kyle, and they say, so what are these clean practices versus unclean? I posted an article by Father Dave Nix, who, who minces no words, and he's not PC about this. He goes right to St. Alphonsus of Liguori, and he says exactly what clean and unclean sexual behavior is in marriage. So for for the dozens of you that have emailed me, I posted the article. It's on my webpage, jesseromero.com. It's on my blog post. It's Father Dave Nick's article. Uh, it's called, uh, it's basically a, a, t- a take on St. Uh, uh, Alphonsus of Liguori and his moral theology on, uh, on, on sexual intimacy. The article is actually called 15 mortal, mortal sins Catholics are missing in their confessions. So, Dan, let me, let me just quote some statistics, and I want you to get into the spiritual warfare aspect of this. Yeah, the, the, US, yeah, the U.S. Bishop's website says, a Barna research, a Barna survey on U.S. porn use indicated that 37% of Christian men and 7% of Christian women use porn several times a week or more. 64% of Christian men 
and 15% of Christian women use porn once a month or more. Here's another stat. It's important for people to understand that porn impairs the brain, whether it's used sporadically or multiple times per week. Viewing porn, usually combined with masturbation, directly affects the brain's reward pathways and has been noted to have a similar effect on the brain as cocaine does on a person with a drug addiction or as alcohol on a person with an alcohol addiction. Pornography is never harmless. Here's another stat. Uh, this is uh, Research indicates that exposure to porn decreases sexual satisfaction in relationships for both men and women. Numerous physicians have reported that pornography increases rates of uh, dysfunction amongst men, even for young men in their 20s and 30s. Research indicates that married men who use porn are, are more likely to have affairs, are less attracted to their wives, and are less attracted, interested in sexual intimacy with their wives. Research also indicates that women who use porn are more negative about their bodies and have less intimacy in their marriage. Here's one more statistic, then I'll turn it over to Dan. The pornography industry's uh, <clears throat> strong connection to human trafficking and violence against women was an important turning point for many couples in their healing journey because it showed them the far-reaching impact of pornography. Pornography breaks trust and increases the risk of separation and divorce. In fact, during a national conference of divorce attorneys, just over half of the lawyers indicated that internet pornography had played a significant role in divorces they had handled during their last year of practice. (sighs) Here's a bit of good news. Let me give you a good news and I'll let Dan give us more good news. <laughs> we have, the, the bishops have says, we have found it very helpful to say a short prayer together each day asking God to bless our marriage and family. We recently started saying a decade of the rosary with our children, and, and uh, this is a couple writing at the U.S. Bishop's website, uh, saying a decade of the rosary with our children at bedtime along with prayer intentions. We each try, male and husband and wife, try to read through the daily mass readings along with other spiritual readings each day. We have also benefited from frequent confession, going to mass as a family, Eucharistic adoration, listening to Catholic radio and Christian music, having spiritual directors, and being connected with Catholic men's and women's groups. Well, Dan, that's basically the protocol. That's basically the manual that you just wrote for Tan that'll be coming out in a couple of months, uh, what this couple just said on the U.S. Bishop's website. Comments? Yeah, no, part of the logic um, of, of the four-phase protocol that we do with Father Ripker is it, you have to get, um, you have to do a media fast. You have to, you have to pull back from the world um, because it's absolutely essential to start purifying the imagination. So many people have looked at so much pornography, that's all they see. And so it takes, it, it takes prayer um, and penance and a little bit of a thesis um, withdrawal from the world to, to start gaining, regaining custody custody of the imagination which is absolutely critical what you what you alluded to earlier too was in, in modern science this is not these are not you know necessarily catholic non-catholic one lady i know a researcher who's, who's a jewish woman studying the effect of the brain um on uh, of pornography it the brain releases what, what one researcher calls erototoxins this is a process addiction this is an addiction that like gambling addiction there's no substance 
per se from the outside in. It's an interior substance that's generated. So looking at these images produces this erototoxin and it distorts, begins to distort the images in the imagination. Remember the word that Father Ripperger uses is that the, the demon has access to the data set of, of, of what, what has entered in through our own experiences. So um, whether so in viewing pornography, you're giving access to, to the evil one. And, and quite frankly, quite bluntly, um, when you as a father and head of household are viewing pornography and engaging in immorality and immoral, immoral sex uh, in the home with yourself or, or your spouse, then you're, you're, you're opening the door, you're blowing the shield. Your, your job, one of the, one of the roles, one of the twofold ends of the, of the spiritual authority through natural law and divine positive law, the two ends are to provide and to protect. When you when you are engaging in this immoral behavior, this deviant behavior, then you're no longer protecting your children. Your children are now vulnerable. The enemy is going to run right in. Not only does he sneak in the wire, he sneaks in the wire through pornography, but once he gets inside the wire, he just opens the gate. This is why St. Alphonsus calls it hell's widest gate um, in sexual impurity. Dan, you know what? Uh, pornography was started in this country in 1953 by uh, some guy named Hugh Hefner. He's already gone to his eternal reward. I can imagine where he's at. Right around that time, there was also a young priest by the name of uh, Father Wojtilva who started realizing that people had a real, uh, they had bad, a, a bad understanding of human anthropology. So that's when he started working on his magnum opus called, you know, Theology of the Body. So Hugh Hefner and Pope John Paul II, right around the same time as young men, took different turns. One started promoting licentiousness and pornography and making a lot of money off of it. And across the pond, uh, Father uh, Wojtyla was trying to teach young people about the dignity of the body and about the proper use of the body. So there's been a running gun battle uh, the Catholic Church against pornography since since it started in the 50s, Dan. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Here's what uh, St. Alphonsus says, Doctor of the Church. We have now to speak of the fourth gate of hell, which is impurity or sexual sin. It is by this gate that the greater number of, of the damned enter. Some will say that it is a trifling sin. Is it a trifling sin? It is a mortal sin. St. Antonius writes that such is the nauseousness of this sin that the devils themselves cannot endure it. Moreover, the doctor of the church says that certain demons, the doctors of the church say that certain demons who have been superior to the rest, remembering their ancient di dignity, disdain to, to so loathsome a tempting to dis disdain tempting to so loathsome a sin. Consider then how disgusting he must be to God. He, meaning the one who is in that that is in this under the, the, the spell of this demon of lust, who like a dog is ever returning to his vomit or wallowing like a pig in the stinking mire of this accursed vice, 2 Peter 2, 22. The impure say, moreover, God has compassion on us who, who are subject to this vice because he knows that we are flesh. What do you say? God has compassion on this vice? But you must know the most horrible chastisements which God has ever visited the earth have been drawn down by this vice. St. Jerome says that, this is the only sin of which we re read that it caused God to repent of having uh, made man for all flesh had become corrupt. Genesis 6, 6 to 12. And so it is, St. Jerome says, there is no sin which upon which God punishes so rigorously, even upon earth as this. Hence, he once sent fire from heaven upon five cities, all consumed and consumed their inhabitants for this sin in Sodom and Gomorrah. 
You say God has compassion upon men subject to the sin, but it is this sin that sends most to hell. St. Remigius says that the greater number of the damned in hell are through this vice. So, uh, and, and it goes on and on. This is a homily. Imagine if this homily was given in most churches oh, today. Can you imagine? There would be people lining up at the bishop's office complaining. There would be priests would be kicked out of their parishes for this. This is a homily. This isn't, this, this is a homily. He's not doing moral theology here. He is preaching a homily. And he calls this sin so disgusting that even the even the demons loathe themselves, having to being forced to tempt us to it. Well, the, a, a priest saying that homily today would be canceled. They would be out. Oh, for sure. They would be out of the priesthood. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be allowed. Unfortunately, yeah. That's yeah. why we lay people that have these microphones. Uh, we have to say what uh, oftentimes a lot of our priests cannot say. They're hamstrung. And they thank me. I talk to a lot of priests around the country, and they thank podcasters like us, Dan, lay people that are able to put this good information out because they're saying our hands are tied and we've got to watch ourselves. Uh, also, something else about pornography, uh, just how it affects us. The U.S. Supreme Court caved in on this back in 1968, and the Supreme Court upheld the First Amendment of uh, film of porn filmmakers and they basically said, yeah, you just just go ahead and police yourselves. But yeah, okay, yeah, right. A asking porn filmmakers to police themselves, right. So this was legalized in 1968. So we've been fighting this battle for a long time now. And this is why it's important uh, to, ha to, to put the right president and to put good Supreme Court justices because the Supreme Court affects all of us. You're listening to Wednesday War College, Jess Romero and Dan Schneider. We'll keep talking about the uh, effects of pornography and uh, how to clean up our act, how to clean up our, our practices. Wednesday War College, Jess Romero, Dan Schneider. Hey, just want to remind you that our uh, our uh, sidekick or our sensei, uh, Kyle Clement, he's doing a lot with Monte Cristo. So if you want to see where he's speaking at and some of the podcasts that he's doing, he's giving uh, lectures, daily lectures, you can go to montecristo.com, montecristo.com, and you can see everything that Kyle Clement is doing. Uh, Dan, we're talking about the dangers of pornography, especially from a Catholic point of view, which is just a lot deeper than medicine and science. <clears throat> and so can you, can you give some men in this last segment, some things that some tools that would help them clean up their, uh, their pornographic practices and how to fight against the, this demon of pornography, this, this proclivity to pornography, uh, in the last couple of minutes, what tools would you give Catholic men? Yeah, well, I think, we, again, going back to, to St. Alphonsus, holiness of thought, word, and deed. He says, how many immodest words have you spoken in which you took delight in yourself, by which you scandalize your neighbor? From thoughts and words produced, precede acts. And to those innumerable impurities, which those wretches roll and wallow like swine without being satisfied, for this vice is never satisfied. And then he talks about sacrilegious confessions and sacrilegious communions. But then he gives us the answer. I'll defer to his doctor of the church. Have you ever been sunk in this vice? I do not bid you to be disheartened, but arise at once from your foul and infernal pit. 
beg God immediately give you light, stretch out his hand to you. The first thing you have to do to break is to break with the occasion of sin. Without that, preaching and tears and resolutions and confessions are all lost. Remove the occasion and then constantly recommend yourself to God to marry the mother of purity. No matter how grievously you may be tempted, do not be discouraged by the temptation. At once, call to your aid, Jesus and Mary, pronouncing their sacred names, just like we talked about in the first segment. Those blessed names have the power of making the devil fly and stifling that hellish flame within you. If the devil persists in tempting you, persevere in calling upon Jesus and Mary, and certainly you should not fail. In order to rid yourself of your evil habits, undertake some special devotion. Then he goes into First Saturday, fasting, visiting her image. And Evagoras Pont Ponticus, who wrote in the, in the third century, um, he linked lust and gluttony. So you can't just make this an intellectual fight. If you're going to try to do battle just with your pure in your mind and your mind is compromised, you're going to lose. You've got to battle with the flesh. You have to do, you have to fast. This is why Exodus 90 is very effective. It just started, I think, this week, uh, the men have, uh, that are doing Exodus 90 started it. Look it up. Look at Exodus 90. You can do the Libra Cristo protocol for 30 days and, and do a media fast. Um, fasting from, um, you know, uh, uh, bread and wine fast. Fasting from red meat on Friday. Mortify the body at its lower levels so that you have the interior strength to, to, do, to battle up at the intellect where the imagination is getting pounded. So purifying the image through prayer. Get those images out of your brain through invoking the name of Jesus and Mary and meditating on sacred scripture. Of course, confession. The more, we, the more we use confession, the grace we get to commit the sin less and receive less pleasure from the sin. Accountability with other men uh, or, or women. If you're a woman looking at pornography, up to a third of women now are, are the, or up to a third of the users of pornography are now women. Um, having that accountability uh, uh, with someone else, uh, mortifying your body, um, doing uh, um, Meditating on the feet of Jesus Christ. Um, this is the word Mary Magdalene sat at his feet, anointed his feet. She who was delivered of, of seven demons. Um, and meditating on the wounded feet of Christ. You have to do battle with this. You can't just say, gee, I give up. God will forgive me. He knows we're flesh. Alphonsus directs, he, he addresses this. No, you have to do battle. You have to pray. You have to invoke the name of Jesus. You got to work your way out of this. Good stuff. You're listening to Wednesday War Caller, Jess Romero, Dan Schneider. We're talking about, again, the dangers of pornography. Uh, one of the ways also, Dan, that I've heard uh, Father Ripperger teach us that we can combat pornography is through the devotion to the five sacred wounds. Uh, you, you've also taught me the same thing. Uh, again, this is an understanding that the desecration of the flesh of our Lord was the response to our sins of the flesh. And so it's, it's a good practice for Catholic men to spend time meditating and reflecting on his five sacred wounds. Uh, like, for example, I got, a, I got a book of The Passion of the Christ. It's a, it's a big book, and it's all pictures. And oftentimes when I just pray the rosary, I just open up the pictures of The Passion of the Christ. And it's a sorrowful mystery that it takes you through. Or what I'll do is just on my laptop or on my computer, I'll just go on the Internet and look at pictures, bloody pictures of Jesus, of The Passion, the movie, with uh, Jim Caviezel, and then I'll do my rosary in front of my laptop or my computer. So there, there are ways for you to really take those pictures in as you're praying. And when you do that, when we re reflect on his sacred wounds, uh, again, what we're doing is we're projecting back the images of the wounds of Christ to the diabolical that's, all, that's in the cosmos. And so this is a practical way that we can 
that we can little by little by these graphic bloody pictures of our Lord Jesus Christ and his five wounds. This is a way for the dirty thoughts. All those things are in imagination to be burned away by, by the sorrowful, you know, meditation on the sorrowful mysteries of our Lord Jesus Christ. Dan, you want to clean that up? That's spot on because what you're doing, Jess, is you're engaging the imagination in prayer. This is why as we, as when the manual comes out, I try to walk, uh, you begin at vocal prayer and it's great. We got to get, you know, work our way through Father Ripperger's book, Deliverance Prayers for Use by the Laity. You got to set time away for prayer. But vocal prayer, you need more. You have to start doing mental prayer. Using the learning how to wield the intellect and the imagination in prayer, how to use this. When Our Lady gave the rosary to St. Dominic, remember, Jess, she didn't say, This is the silk sash. I'm giving you a sash of silk that you can give, that you can offer to me. I'm giving you roses that can, rose petals can fly out of your mouth when you pray to me. What did she say to St. Dominic? What did she call the rosary? I'm giving you this, what, what I'm giving you, giving you a battering ram. Yeah. So, so this is a battering ram that we tear down strongholds using the words of St. Paul. This is a battering ram. By why? Because in our imagination, where the battle takes place, we're purifying it. I love the image, like you say, using the image of, of of the passion of Christ, the wounded feet of Christ, for particularly for for for, for sexual temptation. We'll counsel people. Look, almost every, almost every single case we've had, we have. I can just tell you, almost. It, there, there's. It's very very common to have sexual deviancy. And that demon is constantly trying to bring back the imagination away from the things of God, away from the Christ, into the into this lower this lower thing, this lower temptation. And so, learning to 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 meditate on the words and deeds of Christ to purify your imagination and replace them with the image of Christ. This is not going to happen overnight. This is not going to happen on a one weekend retreat. This is going to be this is going to be work. This is this is going to be grunt work, right? This is a road march that you're taking off. This is a forced march, and you're going to grind this out for a while. Uh, you're going to you're going to load your ruck up, and this is going to be a 75, 80 pound ruck, and you're going to be walking over the mountains in the dark. You're going to have to really ruck up, and you got to really man up on this uh, um, to get through this. But it's going to take it takes time, but it's 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 worth it. On the other side, if you're struggling with with this, on the other side of it is purity of thought an integrity and a peace that you never imagined. You just got to know when you're fighting this battle that on the other side of it, the war, the crown that awaits you is, 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 is beautiful. And you've got to fight through this if you're struggling with pornography. Yeah. Uh, let me, let me, uh, I, I got a message here from, uh, from our engineer. Uh, it's montecristo.net.com. Montecristo.net. So if you want to see uh Kyle's lectures and Kyle's schedule, what he's going to be doing next, go to montecristo.net. It's put up on the screen. Uh, so I, I'm just correcting myself. Thanks a lot, Richard, for correcting me. Montecristo.net. Dan, talk a little bit. We got about two minutes about the importance of, of uh, how was Mary Magdalene? You told me one time Mary Magdalene was, was delivered uh, more than likely by gazing at the feet of Jesus Christ. And, uh, and and that had a very powerful uh, healing and deliverance component to uh, for Mary Saint Mary Magdalene at that moment. Share the theology yeah, behind so, that. Again, it's like uh, you know when I was in when I was in the military, we had fully auto, you know, and they they since realized that don't put it on fully auto, 
don't let, let, let soldiers have that feature because they'll just squeeze the trigger in, 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 in a moment and they'll deplete an entire magazine, you know. So, so they, they changed the, the, the new web, the new, the new rifles they issue now have three round bursts. And so meditating on the feet of Christ, like a three round burst, when you get hit with the sexual temptation, meditating on the wounded feet of Christ, the bloodier, the better, the more realistic, the better meditating upon that. We've taken that image and, and placed it before uh, a possessed person in session, and it causes tremendous pain to the demon. The wounded feet of Christ. This is Mary Magdalene. She sits at the feet of Christ. She anoints him uh, with with her tears and dries him with her hair. And 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 this and, and tradition of the church, according to Saint Gregory the Great, Mary Magdalene is the sinful woman of Luke chapter seven, who anoints the feet of Christ, from whom Christ delivered of seven demons. And so devotion to the, to, to the Virgin, I mean, to the, to Mary Magdalene, St. Mary Magdalene is very, is very important. And the feet of Christ, particularly the, all the wounds of Christ, because you see the wounded flesh in its, in, in, in versus the distorted, the distortion of pornography in the wounded flesh of Christ, which brings us salvation. Um, so, so, but we see through med, through meditating on Mary Magdalene and the feet of Jesus, we see, we see that's the place that's the place of discipleship. That's the place where where sexual sin is taken and dealt with, the wounded feet of Christ. Because she, you know, again, what did Gregory say? She who used sensual oils for 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 uh, um use oils for sensual purposes now do does a mighty deed for God by uh, by by using the oils to anoint the feet of Christ. And so going to St. Mary Magdalene, um, this this is a very powerful, very powerful uh, again three round burst weapon. You get hit with temptation, give it a short little meditation on the feet of Christ because sometimes. Sometimes when you try to meditate, if you're not used to that, it takes time to be able to bring. I'll go to the Carmelites and I'll see them sitting and they kneel like statues because they're Carmelite nuns. The rest of us, it takes time to get to that level of discipline. We may never get there as, as laywomen and laymen in the world, but we might be able to do 15 minutes of meditation. If you're just starting out in prayer, you might get five minutes. But in that five minutes, do a burst. Do a little burst on the wounded feet of Christ. Be vulnerable like Mary Magdalene at the wounded feet of Christ. Dump all of your uh, disorder and deviancy at the wounded feet of Christ and let that be part of your healing. That's a wrap. This, uh, you've been listening to Wednesday War College. Jess Romero, Dan Schneider. We're on every single Wednesday. It's either Dan or Kyle Clement. So uh, if you like the show, let people know about it and, uh, and, uh, and share it with other people, family and friends. What's, remember, the name of the game for us as lay Catholics is to evangelize. Either we evangelize or we fossilize. Can you imagine entering <laughs> into heaven and seeing the King of Kings and, and, and having done nothing for the kingdom? evangelize my friends or fossilize remember we're called to be great saints don't miss the opportunity set yourselves apart from this corrupt generation be saints you weren't made to fit in we'll see you next time same christ time same christ channel up next gary machuda the big guy hands-on apologetics coming to you from the midwest command center as for me and dan schneider we are eow end of watch we are out god bless you <laughs>